Welcome to Lifting Leaders. We believe we need every voice, every idea, and every heart in order to seize every opportunity to tackle today's complex and challenging problems. Leaders hold the key to unleashing this power in every individual. We believe everyone's a leader. If you have an opportunity to influence others, then you're a leader. This podcast is for you. We want to lift you up and elevate your leadership capabilities to positively leverage the impact you have on the world's most critical challenges through energizing and unleashing the power of every voice. Today's leaders are facing the challenges of change in ways that have not been done before. Businesses realize that to remain competitive, they must innovate and reinvest themselves in ways that benefit our world. This presents challenges for every leader, whether new or seasoned, to re-examine their skills and experience and adjust where necessary. We will examine what it means to be a leader today and how to show up and have the highest positive impact. We will talk with leaders who are figuring it out every day, just like you. And we will also talk to experts who can share from their knowledge and challenge you to grow and try something new. And Trisha and I will be on the journey with you, sharing our more than 60 years of combined experience coaching and teaching leaders and organizations to be the best they can be. Join us on this adventure to unleash leader possibilities to make a better world. We are really excited to have a special guest on our show today, Dr. Pam McLean. She is here to talk with us about her story about leadership and coaching, the need for coaching and leadership to not be complacent, but to be consciously innovating and constantly improving and the importance of leaders and coaches in solving the critical issues in the world today. We first met Pam when going through the Hudson Institute of Coaching Certification Program. It's fair to say that it changed our lives, not only as coaches and leaders, but as people. We changed from the inside out. Pam is wise, centered, calm, measured, deeply caring, and also wickedly funny. I also had the privilege to go through the coaching certification program with her son, which we didn't figure out (laughs) until partway through the program. They kept it a secret for a little while. Michael is now the CEO of the Hudson Institute of Coaching, and judging by the quality of individual Michael is, I can also say that Pam is a very good mother as well. Here's her official bio. Pam McLean, PhD co-founder of the Hudson Institute of Coaching, brings more than three decades of experience as a clinical psychologist, master coach, coach supervisor, business leader, and contributor in the field of leadership coaching. McLean has authored several books in the field of coaching, including the Completely Revised Handbook of Coaching, a comprehensive examination of the essential elements in coaching, self as coach, self as leader, Exploring the dimensions of the internal landscape that support one's conscious use of self in coaching and in leadership. She also authored Life Forward, charting the journey ahead, focused on intentionally charting a course through the chapters and transitions in one's life. Pam has served on the board of the Association of Learning Providers, on Harvard's JFK Women's Leadership Board, the faculty of Saybrook University in San Francisco, editorial board of IJCO, and like-minded, chaired the board of the Central California Planned Parenthood affiliate, 
and is a council member of the Santa Barbara Chapter of Human Rights Watch. McLean is a frequent key presenter on the use of self as coach and leader based on her book, Self as Coach, Self as Leader. Pam lives in Santa Barbara, California, where she and her late husband raised three sons. In her spare time, she enjoys all things related to weekend cooking, ceramics, bird watching, and traveling to new places around the globe. So welcome, Pam, and we are so honored that you are with us today. This is one of our happiest moments. We've been looking forward to this for quite a long time, so welcome. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for that, that really thoughtful introduction. Anything, Pam, before we dive into our questions, anything that you would like to say? You know, it's always interesting to even uh, think ahead to being in a conversation like that. this because it asks uh anyone who does this to reflect a bit on on uh, the road that they've traveled. So uh, thank you for inviting me and I look forward to a great conversation. Great, thank you, thank you so much. So here's my first question. In your book, Self as Coach, Self as Leader, you share a quote from Rebecca Solnit. We think we tell stories, but stories often tell us. Tell us to love or hate, to see or be seen. Often, too often, stories saddle us, ride us, whip us onward, tell us what to do, and we do it without questioning. The task of leadership is to be free. The task of learning to be free requires learning to hear them, to question them, to pause and hear silence, to name them, and then become a storyteller. So Pam, would you tell us your story, starting with little Pam? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I love that quote, first of all, and, and, and that notion that, that too often stories saddle us, ride us, uh, whip us onward, and tell us what we need to do. And if we cannot see our stories, we do it without questioning ourselves. And, and this, that, that quote, for me, underlines what is so important for, of course, us as human beings, but us as coaches, us as leaders. So uh, in my life, I grew up in a very rural part of the U.S., right uh, uh, up in the corner of Manitoba, North Dakota, Minnesota. And it was a, a cattle ranch and a grain farm. And, and my father had three daughters. And, and I'm sure at some point along the way, he said, why couldn't I have had a son? <laughs> but he never said it. He never said it. Uh, and, and he uh, really sent a message throughout my growing up that, that we can do the same things that all of the guys do, mm. running farms and ranches and all of that. And we, and we did. And, mm. and so... Uh, one of the things that was unique about that experience is that when you are in, when you're growing up in a rural area, there is no place to call to get a tow, no place to call to get added help on something, no shop to just stop in and see. It's very remote, very rural. And, and one of the lessons that that he taught me that uh, saddled me for a long time mm. was that that 
it's good to know how to go it alone. Mm. And there's extra credit for not asking for help. So in that environment, it made sense. If I was out in a pasture and there was trouble with, uh, uh, um, you know, a newborn, uh, maybe it was a calf or something, uh, better for me to sit there and figure out what do I need to do to, to really figure out how I could be resourceful here. Because I knew if I went back to ask for help, it would not be viewed in a very positive way. Yeah, and so, yeah. so, you know, that, um, that left me with a well-ingrained story that better to go it alone extra credit for not asking for help. You can imagine that as a leader of an organization, that doesn't work. Yeah. It absolutely does not work. And, and so I spent, uh, maybe it's, we spent our whole lifetime dismantling some of these stories, right? <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. But, but I sure have spent a lot of time dismantling that. And even today, I can catch myself noticing, oh, I'm doing that going alone thing. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and so I just think that that uh, Solnit's quote is such a beautiful one for us to to remember. And of course, there were upsides, you know, to, to that yeah. whole experience as well. I, I became a bit of a rebel, I, I believe, because of my experiences growing up. So in these rural areas, there were these organizations called Girls 4-H and Boys 4-H. Nice. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I, I like the Girls 4-H, but I would like to be in Boys 4-H too. And and so I fought my way into no one, no other girl wanted to come along, but I became a <laughs> member of Boys 4-H. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, various things like that. So with every story that we're saddled with, there is an upside and a downside. Yeah. Yeah. That lark light and that dark. Yeah. So independence, um, but also the shadow of recognizing the gifts that others bring and how they can help you. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that you know, in our work as, as leaders in this world, uh, Going it alone is no way to be. We've seen some of that. Yeah. And, and I, I continually uh, remind myself that we're better together. That, that yeah. whatever it is I'm working on, it will always be improved when other people are involved. Yeah. Yeah. That is really rich when you think about, um, especially right now, as we're trying to sort of change up the whole scenario. We've got leaders who really aren't quite sure what they're supposed to do next as we're trying to put more emphasis on our earth and on, you know, just everything. And going alone just isn't working. And it hasn't. And I think some of those leaders who have been trying to get by with that all this time are finding that they need to change. So this is a good, um, yeah. I think, a good time to be looking at that. Yeah. Thank you. So, Pam, you've worked with leaders across decades, across industries, and across the world. What are the greatest shifts you're seeing that bring you the greatest hope for our world? Well, what you just said is such an interesting comment. We are living in complex times that, that appear to me to be more complex than we've ever, we've ever experienced. Here we are in the midst of uh, uh, a a heightened awareness of the racial inequities in our world. Uh, 
We are up against a timeline around our environment. We have a polarized country in many parts of the world, polarized other polarized countries. Yeah. Uh, the, the influence of uh, misinformation that, that is everywhere. And, and we've been trying to figure out in the post-pandemic, how do we want to be? And then what unfolds before our very eyes is all that is happening in the Ukraine. Yeah. And, and, and so a leader today needs to be able to manage complexity more than ever before to see things from many perspectives. And, and I think that is a skill that is harder to acquire, that it yeah. takes a conscious effort to, to think systemically, mm -hmm. to be able to see all perspectives, and then to wonder, where might I be wrong? Uh, yeah. uh, and, and, and so I, I think this is, a, this is a time of great challenge for leaders. I think what's positive is uh, there are signs. There are signs that there are more women moving into mm -hmm. leadership roles of significance. You know, I think about the passing uh, this week of Madeleine Albright. Yeah. And what, what a force of, of nature and a model for us as, as women that, that she, she was. Uh, I think that we are seeing the significant downside of the charismatic leader, mm. or I'd also say the narcissistic leader. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that um, we're breaking down hierarchies. And, and when we break down hierarchies, that means that leaders have to have more internal capacity in order to figure out how to work well with others, how to influence, how to inspire in, in new ways. And, and one of the things that we see particularly in our work at Hudson, where we spend time inside all kinds of organizations, many of them working across the globe, is that there is a greater thirst than I have ever seen in committing to creating cultures of development. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, for a long time, we thought about, and, and companies would invest in their high potentials. Yeah. Uh, and, and the investment below that was significantly less. I think that the great resignation uh, uh, among other things, that's not the only thing, but, but, but there are several factors that have really brought into awareness uh, today the need to be doing development from day one through the end of career. And, and that means that we hopefully are creating work settings that are more satisfying to work in. That, that are creating uh, uh, opportunities for us to grow in our career. And, and that is a trajectory that I hope continues to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Such powerful words. I think also, you know, when one of the things that I've seen as far as this development is that the recognition that leadership isn't just held at that at those sort of fancy title levels 
that leadership happens at all levels of the organization, whether you have that fancy title or not, which I think does help to drive just what you were saying, to drive that development culture that everybody needs to understand how they can best contribute because everybody influences each other. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's really getting, um, getting our leaders who are in formal leadership roles to understand that. I think they're just now starting to understand that leadership starts much lower than where those titles start. And um, it's, it's a hard thing for some people to face. Those especially who have been in business for a long time are finding it a little tough to, um, you know, embrace something that is as, you know, avant-garde as that, you know, when in, when in fact it's, you know, it's always been that way. They just haven't seen it. So I, I'm really excited about the opportunity of doing what you were talking about, Pam, which is like getting somebody when they're new and sticking with them throughout their career so that they're well prepared to handle those, those things that hit us that haven't hit us before. So, yeah. And maybe before some of the bad habits. Oh. <laughs> have well, formed. And, and I, I think the other thing that you're talking about is that the, what we've learned from the great recession, uh, I mean, the great resignation, excuse me, uh, is complicated. It's, uh, uh, an awareness that my work needs to be satisfying to me. Right. Yeah. That, that uh, there are some requirements that I have that I want to give voice to. And, and so the unspoken contract of yesterday is, is uh, largely uh, up for grabs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the, uh, the, the work that we have to do to understand what what others want from their work uh, is such important uh, such important territory for leaders. You, you know, when we think about the writing that's happening in this area right now, you see there is this uh, kind of continuum of let's just get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's yeah. just get back to normal. Let's. I was reading something yesterday in the New York Times about. Uh, a company that was we're pulling everybody back into the office in in May, and and it, when I wrote the article uh, uh, about the Great Reset, I had talked with several leaders inside organizations, leaders that I've known over a long period of time, and and such interesting conversations about. Darn it, why can't we just go back to the way things yeah. are? And, and then kind of chuckling about that's gone. It's, it is it's gone. all gone. It's all yeah. gone. Yeah. And, and that none of us knows exactly what the way forward is. And that's very hard for leaders. Mm-hmm. This is a time when we need to experiment. That, that uh, to see this as more than work from home or work from the office, to, to be able to see the bigger picture here of what does work mean for us and, and how do we evolve in organizations to... Uh, um, I dare say, acknowledge more of a whole person that mm-hmm. is showing up in the in their work. Yeah, absolutely, and and this complexity that you were talking about, and like leaders having to hold a lot more, um, just in their vision of what a good leader is, is just so important. And I think that's part of what we have to help people understand is that. Mm-hmm. 
like you were saying, this is the new, this is what's coming. It's been happening for a while, um, but we can't just be so single-minded as a leader anymore that we have to be able to see the systems and recognize that that makes us a better leader. And in turn, it's a better organization. And it's not just the right thing to do, but you actually end up with a better business because of it. You have better profits. You have you're a, you know, a leader in your industry because you've done these things. You know, we used to call um, some of the things like demonstrating that you care or emotional intelligence. We yeah, used to right. call these soft skills. Yeah. And, and I, I say, but they're human skills yes. and they're harder, yeah. they're harder to learn than, than uh, the tactical skills that are required in our jobs. They're much harder to learn. And it really goes back to that quote from uh, Solnit that, that that which we don't know about ourselves drives us. Mm, yeah. and, and, and so I think that's the, at least a, um, shades of some words that Bob Anderson uh, mm. uh, spoke at one time. That which we don't know drives us. And, and so it means that today's leader has to know oneself, yeah. has to see that as an essential part of their work, has to see their human skills as being uh, really critical today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As yeah. you were saying that, I was thinking about Bob Anderson and how that leadership circle yeah. um, assessment yeah. really does pull that out. And, you know, the just telling your story can be very telling. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Let's see. Our next question, which we've kind of touched on already, um, but um, let's see if there's anything to add here. You've written and spoken recently about the Great Reset. Can you tell us a little bit about this and its impact on leaders? Well, I think what's interesting right now is that, you know, at Hudson, we have uh, spent quite a bit of time looking at examining transitions and changes in in the life of a leader over over time and and what we know is that or we could say the life of a human being and and what we know is that the old days of stage and age here's what you do when you're 32 and here's Mm -hmm. what what your task is when you're 47 these are gone yeah because because the social norms have melted away and and so we can take any any issue any transition and say it can happen at 20 it can happen at 40 right yeah so so what we know is that we continue as adults to go through times of transition and change and times of stability. And they are highly personalized and individualized. And yet, as a world, we have just gone through for the last two years, Mm -hmm. this pandemic, we have all shared losses, some really significant losses. We have learned, uh, we we have suffered. uh, um, and, And in my lifetime, I don't know that as a human race, we've ever shared something like this before. Yeah. Yeah. So it really strikes me that there is some universal domain here that we could sit in and say, before we figure out 
when, how long, how many days a week we're going back to work, how often <laughs> we're going to be in large crowds, any of those questions, could we just stop and press pause and, and, and focus on what have I learned as a leader? What mm-hmm. have we learned as a team? Maybe what have I learned as, as, as uh, a parent or whatever these roles are that are most important that I want to retain? And, and what have I learned that I want to let go of or what have I let go of that I don't want to return to? Yeah. I think it's a golden moment for us as human beings. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that I have, I have thought about so often is the stories leaders have shared about how this has changed them. And, and one of the mm. early stories that I heard was, uh, uh, a leader was saying, you know, here's the deal, Pam. I commute for maybe an hour and 20 minutes, twice a day. And, and I see my kids, if I'm lucky, before I leave, sometimes, I, sometimes they're not even up. And I get home at night in time to read them a bedtime story. And since this pandemic happened, what I realized is I had no idea how much I have missed oh, in my children's yeah. life. And I will never go back to that again. So that's a kind of a, a realignment of values, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's just one of so many stories. And, and uh, to be able to press reset is to use this pandemic this extraordinary moment in our history in a way that that allows us to learn from it and and to uh, relinquish some old ways that have not served us very well yeah. but we've been on autopilot we just don't even yeah. notice you know so yeah he was, he was doing that commute for years and just part of life yeah. Right. Didn't even uh, know that what you were missing because yeah. you weren't there. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I love, I love that idea of the pause. And I, I think that is so important. And I hope people, I hope our listeners really take that to heart. Pause. Don't just jump back into the way things were. And it also brings to mind, and I wish I knew, and I'm sure you know, Pam, who, who said this um, because it was at the very end of um, Life Forward where they said it was a quote about not going back to sleep. Like you're Mm -hmm. awake, don't go back to sleep. And I think that is so critical for us. Let's not, let's pause and ask those really great questions that you just offered and make a choice about what our lives look like moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the don't go back to sleep is, is don't fall back to the easy habits, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it takes, you know, if there's one thing that we've learned and benefited from, from the neuroscience uh, arena, it is that it's very easy on the brain to be in habit. Yeah. Very easy on the brain to go back to old ways. I don't even have to think about it, right? Yeah. It takes a lot of uh, intentional attention to to create a new path or, as they say in neuroscience, rewire the brain. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time for us to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's such a great opportunity for people to experience 
something that they can be grateful for. You know, it, when I when I think about the pandemic and everything we've been going through in the last two years, I think there are people who are still feeling very traumatized by it. And if you were to talk to them about, if I were to talk to them about um, their experience, I could probably pull out four or five nuggets that were really things they could be grateful for because there are some hidden gifts that came from that. And to your point, Pam, somebody got their life back a little bit, you know, and resetting values is a huge thing to be grateful for, especially if it makes your life better, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the lives of the children. Yes. Right? Those are those are the sort of things that that impact generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's our future. So with that in mind, from your perspective, what unique role do leaders play in solving the most critical issues in our world today? Well, you know, we just saw a bit of this in the Ukraine tragedy that's unfolding, that leaders of large organizations that have had a presence in, in a country that, that ha- is... Um, doing such devastation to to Ukraine, that these leaders made a decision. Some of it was uh, um, forced a bit by the professor at Yale who kept track of every company that that left. That's leadership. I I think that that, uh, what we we see today is that uh, we are living in a world where leaders need to be willing to take value-based stands not on everything, but, yeah. but on, on things that are important to their uh, workforce, to their customers, to our world. I think that that is uh, um, something that we have to think about very carefully. Let's just think about our environment. And, and, and every company, large and small, has a role to play in in. Uh, helping us to save our environment. And that is uh, that is such an enormous task. We have to all be on board to do this. Uh, so you see the you see a variety of ways that companies are really stepping up to this, modeling the way. Mm-hmm. and and i uh, I find that hopeful, hopeful. Uh, uh, these are not easy. When we started this conversation, we were talking about complexities. These are not easy uh, uh, situations. There are no easy answers. And when we take one stand on one issue, it may impact negatively another dimension. So, So I think we have to be willing to think very systemically. You know, it's very, uh, very interesting. I um, got a an email just a couple of days ago from an author in the UK who is writing a book. It's actually just about ready to be uh, um, go to print on um, how coaches can take on uh, and integrate climate change into our perspective in our work. 
Hmm. And and I have uh, I had promised them that I would do an endorsement and because I know them and I know whatever they're writing is going to be high quality. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, so I'm really looking forward this weekend to taking a close look at that because how do we integrate the issues of climate change into our everyday life yes. as leaders and as organizations? This is such an important one. Yeah, it's absolutely. The essential one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. Great. We are definitely on a time crunch with that. And, and I think that's a wonderful idea of, you know, having coaches incorporate that in, into what we do. It's, it, it's probably pretty easily done if we, if we keep a conscious, you know, keep it on the front burner, if you will. So that's that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And any other, um, any other role that coaches play do you think, uh, as we look at solving these these issues, these critical issues, or at least contributing towards solving them, what role do you see coaches? I think one thing that we have to get better at as coaches is is being able to think more systemically about everything. Yeah. Uh, so so that what do I mean by that? Well, in the past, in the early days of coaching, it was it was kind of coaching in a vacuum, one-on-one. You could often be coaching a leader inside an organization. Nobody knew that was happening. Yeah. And and so the perspective that the leader brought was the only perspective you knew. Mm. And and we now see there's, uh, that's why I like to call it coaching in a vacuum. It's simply not uh, um, the the approach that will Uh, give us the full view of the person we're coaching that will get us the support of the whole system and that will allow us along with that that leader to understand uh how they're seen by others uh what what uh um relationships are at play that are important to to understand in new ways i think as well that that when we think systemically as coaches we begin to see that there is no one person to blame. Mm. We all play a role in everything. Yeah. We all play a role in everything. We love to find uh, the, um, uh, the one person, the one organization, right, that, that, that we can point a finger at. Mm-hmm. But, but when we step back and, and think systemically, we all play a role uh, yeah. in, in what's yeah. unfolding right now. In the Ukraine, uh, if we step back and, and spent a, a bit of time on that, we would see that that uh, many of us, many countries play a role in, in this coming to, to pass. I think that is a, uh, a an advancement in the field of coaching that really is making a difference. So we see team coaching being used much more often. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think about the days of uh, team coaching, or maybe we didn't quite call it team coaching, but it was, let's get together, let's get the whole team together, and let's do some kind of an event yeah. so that we can know each other more. Yeah. And, and, and what we know now, thanks to the work of many, and, and Peter Hawkins is certainly at, uh, at the top of that list, we, we know that that liking each other is not the most important thing for a team. Right, <laughs> right. right. yeah. So that, that goal, we, we've moved beyond that goal. Yeah, and we yeah. see that, that uh, uh, there are 
many vantage points that are going to serve a team becoming more effective. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think as well, we see an increased interest in group coaching. Mm-hmm. And what is so exciting about group coaching is that it allows it's so much more scalable than individual coaching. Yeah. And, and it allows a coach inside an organization to bring together, let's say a group of early managers. There are so many themes that early managers uh, share and there's so much to be learned from others. And in that group coaching uh, uh, setting, the learning gets redoubled by being in the presence of others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things, you know, that Trisha and I have experienced over our career is it's so hard when you, you develop people individually, even sometimes if it's a small team, Mm -hmm. because then they go back into this system that is broken. (laughs) And so then they're more frustrated than ever because they have all these tools and they know what they should be able to do. And it's like, no, it's not going to work. They're no, not, people, it, people want them to be just who they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I love that idea of coaching, looking at the organization in a more systemic way so that we're helping to move the whole system, not just one person in that system. Yeah. Yeah. Much more success. And much more fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. hard. It's hard work yeah. for sure, but it's fun. So Pam, if you had a magic wand, and I suspect you do, um, <laughs> and could improve all leaders around the globe in the capability that you believe would make the biggest impact on their ability to lead, what would that be? Well, really basic things. So, so I, I just have to bring the work of Edgar Schein into this mm. conversation. You know, Edgar yes. Schein spent most of his career, much of his career at MIT, has written more than many, many people in, in, this, in the field of organizational development. And, and I think over time, he simplified and intensified mm-hmm. what stands out for me as most critical, and that is ask more. Mm. Disrupt yourself. Listen with, with, with real care. Uh, be present when you're in a conversation. Uh, I, I think these are basics. How show you care? Uh, how do we show we care? It matters. And and you know I, I think that the show we care, the empathy factor. Uh, if we could agree that it's quite likely that that in most sectors there will not it's not likely there will be a return to work in the old, we won't go back to the old normal, right? Right. That, that, that means then that we have to get very skilled at creating connections when our workforce is, is uh, um, all around the globe. Uh, how do we do that? How do we show we care when we're not seeing people in person? Uh, how do we demonstrate? I was, I was on a call a couple of days ago I was on a call with people that I know well, I care a lot about. And, and as we're talking about something that seemed important to me, I could hear that one person was typing. Hmm. So that is tempting for all of us. We've probably mm-hmm. all done it. Yeah. Uh, but, but I do think we're learning more and more about 
what we can do in this Zoom-like format that we're living in that sends the message, I am here, I see you, I, I care. Yeah. Uh, uh, these are, I think these are the basics that we've got to do. I often say in, in some of the work we do inside organizations that actually the questions we ask, when we ask a question, instead of telling people what they ought to do, when we ask a question, how would you do that? How would you approach it? Well, tell me, how are you thinking about that? We're actually doing kind of in the moment development. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and we tend to complexify these things and think, oh gosh, to help develop my managers, to help them grow, that sounds like a, a, a really big task. If we could just change the way we talk in conversation yeah. and ask more questions, it it <laughs> hits uh, it hits the spot. Yeah. What what is hardest for you about about this project? Yeah. That kind of, th these are the kinds of questions that help people reflect and help people uh, grow. Yeah. 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 I think it really also sparks that critical thinking that people mm -hmm. don't often get a chance to exercise or they don't, they don't exercise because it isn't, it isn't something that is set before them. It's easier to just say, okay, what do you want now? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and you know what, what we're learning in, in this uh, time and history is that it's not very satisfying as a manager to simply do what someone else tells me to do. Yeah, right. I, I, I want to have I want to have the learn how to have the capacity to think critically and and to play a role in the yeah. work that I'm doing. Yeah. That they add value, that they have something to add value. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a huge engagement um, lever for for leaders. Um, so it's a it's a plus, right? Because it's not only that the engagement level goes up, you get better answers. Yes. So, yeah, better better all around. It's uh, that discretionary effort, if you will. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I took your question. You did. <laughs> uh -oh. I'm like, wait, wait, oops. No, we're actually down to the last couple questions. So, um. This is kind of, so I'm just thinking this is the opposite of what we were saying as far as questions, uh, as far as asking questions. We're going to ask you to tell a little bit here. Um, what are three practical things leaders can do to develop or increase their capability? Given yeah. the, the conversation that we've just had. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, um yeah, three. That's a big ask. What, what are three? <laughs> or uh, one. What's one? Hey, we've got the best <laughs> I, here. <laughs> I, think that, I think that we've talked about some of these, that it is learning to listen to what matters to another. Yeah, yeah. Learning to listen, not to, uh, uh, in order for me to tell you what I would do, but learning to listen to what matters to another. It sounds easier than it is to do that. Yeah. Or uh, learning that that your problem solving your answers are not going to help me grow in most situations yeah so the way i ask really matters mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, learning building the skill to think systemically very helpful yeah having a growth mindset yeah a willingness to to send a message throughout my team we learn from our failures Mm. We learn together. It's yeah. okay. 
right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how we grow. That's how we learn. Uh, um, exercising our capacity to care. Mm. being being able to connect well it doesn't you know what one of the things that i hear people often say i just don't have any time yeah that's huge my my day is so i have no time Mm -hmm. and and i i often say you know we have five seconds or we have five seconds you know that that i can say how was your weekend that's a good way to say that how are you doing anything i can do for you anything on your mind you know that 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 it actually doesn't take a lot more time to make some of these shifts and changes. Yeah. I think the other thing that, that uh, is required is where we started this conversation, that the capacity to think more complexly, uh, to, to, to be able to see from many perspectives. Uh, I, I think this is a, uh, you you brought up Bob Anderson, so his work, which is attached to Robert Keegan's work in, in many ways. Robert Keegan started writing about these levels of development years ago, years ago. They're more relevant today than they were mm-hmm. when he was writing about them, that, that uh, this is exactly what we need to be leaders of the future. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, gosh, we were just having this conversation about. (laughs) We live uh, in this conversation uh, lately. (laughs) Around the foundations, like those still apply. So the world around us, it feels like is, you know, on fire a little bit. Um, But we do have to go back to our foundations and those things still apply. It's all about, you know, being human. And that hasn't changed. Yeah. So. So good. You go ahead. The last one. Yeah. The last one. <laughs> so looking at what's coming up for you, what are you really excited about? Well, I uh, I like to I like to look at what's on the edge for, for us mm-hmm. uh, in the field uh, and, and play in that space. I have a long-time commitment to fostering uh, supervision in the field of coaching because mm. I know that in order to be at our best, that's that's really essential. Yeah. Uh, um, so I've I continue to do work in that area. I am a part of a new book that's coming out looking at the mm. uh, development the, the developmental journey of the coach over time. Mm. And, and what is called for, what is needed uh, for us. And I continue mm-hmm. to, to play with that. And, and right now, I'm working on a chapter in a, in a book um, on the psychological or the unspoken contract in coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what the uh, organization for, for the internal coach, what the organization uh, uh expects of that internal coach that's not really spoken mm-hmm. and how that impacts the entire process uh, uh, for for uh, those not inside an organization when you sit down in a coaching engagement what are the unspokens yeah. because there are so many yes and and how do we start to surface them so so that we can do the work that is most important uh, for that person or that team so those are some of the things I, I uh, that are on my mind. Um, 
I, I think that the work in the field of coaching has come such a distance. Mm-hmm. When, when we started uh, in this field, there were no books. There were certainly no juried uh, um, journals. There mm-hmm. were no degrees. Uh, nothing like this existed. And, and today, all of that exists. There, there's so much uh, uh, material being generated that is high quality material. And it's so important. So one of the things that I have always uh, um, railed against is the notion that that coaching is an industry. And I go, I'm not interested in being a part of an industry. Mm. I'm interested in being a part of a field of study. Yes. And, mm. and so, so what, what can I, what can we do to foster a field of study? Uh, and and so I continue to be on that bandwagon. Uh, I, I think that we also see that that there is a um, that technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in, in coaching. Yeah. And and uh, there are those who uh, can't imagine that that could be a good thing. I, I think we need to see uh, all aspects of that and, and figure out what about that could be. What can we harness from that that really serves the uh, the work that we do? And, and how do we be thoughtful about that? So those are a few things. What a gift. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my. I'm looking forward to the book. Yeah. That. So do we have any <laughs> idea when that's one. coming out? <laughs> you know, the one on supervision uh, uh, is coming out, I, I think, this summer. And, and the one, uh, the other one I spoke up about unspoken contracts is a part of a book on ethics and coaching mm. uh, coming out of the UK. I'm sure that will not be out until end of the year. Yeah. They're, they're on their way. They're in process. Yeah. Yeah. And so great that you have a chance to contribute to that. So um, that's wonderful. I did want to point out that, that you did retire from, <laughs> I know, <laughs> but you sound like you're a lot, a lot more, um, engaged in it right now so that's great I really more than anything I stepped out of my role as CEO Mm -hmm. and and it has and I have partly because uh it's a family business I have a chance to uh step slowly away from the business and and make a difference in those areas that are meaningful to me and and meaningful to the field so uh yeah it's a great time in life yeah. Yeah. And I think it like no other profession, maybe there's others, but I feel like coaching, you see such a mm. range of ages, right? It's not one of those things that you have to give up. You know, you can continue to be a coach your whole life. So you, there's so much contribution that you can make at all stages. So, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I may be biased, but I, I see my becoming a coach and, and coming into my coaching um, is just continuing. The journey is getting better and better, and I am learning more and more every day. I, I couldn't have gotten a better gift in, than to do that. I think, you know, I, I probably waited 20 years and wanted to be a Hudson coach for 20 years. And <laughs> finally, when I got the opportunity, I snatched it. I didn't realize, and I think now I'm realizing that once you leave that that nest and you start learning to fly there it never ends you are on a journey to learn for the rest of your life and i i've always thought lifelong learning was important but i don't 
think I quite knew just how much I was going to be on that that new journey and, and that the pace was a little faster. And I love that. <laughs> I love it because that's I great. can't drink enough. I just want more yeah, and more. That's so great. You know, it reminds me of a uh, a colleague and friend who passed away too early in life, uh, um, Doug Silsby, who mm-hmm. always used to say, you know, we do work on ourselves. We, we cultivate our own capacities so that we have the privilege of working with others. Mm. And yeah, I just beautiful. love that way of thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, with that, I think that's a perfect way, perfect way mm-hmm. to close. So th- thank you so much, Pam, for being with us on on this journey. And also thanks for, for having trust in us since uh, we haven't even actually launched yet. We're recording this before we launch, which will be next week. And um, so thanks for, for joining in before we're even beginning. So honored. So happy to, so happy to go. And, and uh, here's to a great launch and, and a a great uh, experience for both of you. And, and, you know, what a gift to those who, uh, learn about what you're doing here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. We are so grateful to have had Pam McLean on our podcast today. She shared so many gifts that are not only informational, but transformational for leaders. We look forward to following Pam as she continues to advance the field of coaching and leadership. So let's continue the conversation. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I'm curious if you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, and if you do, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you would like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Crystal, for co-hosting with me. Thank you to our audience for listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week.